My name is Philip Palumbo, and I'm CEO and founder of Palumbo Wealth Management. Welcome to my show, The Palumbo Show, where we will be interviewing some of the most successful business owners and C-suite executives about their journey to success. After 20 years of working for some of the largest Wall Street banks and having the courage to go off my own, I now completely get it. It changes your inner soul because your name is on the door and it gives you a certain level of energy that is unexplainable. I am looking forward to this journey and learning from these self-made business people, their struggles and their successes, and how we can use that to optimize to our fullest potential, how we serve our clients and how we live our lives. Hello, everyone. My name is Philip Palumbo, host of the Palumbo Podcast, where we interview some of the most successful people to learn how they got to the top. Today, we have Kunal Seth with me of the Seth Brothers, a real estate professional, incredible success coming from India 20 years from now and rising to the top very quickly over that period of time. And we are looking forward to talking to you, uh, Kunal, today. So first thing I want to do is, is first congratulate you on your incredible success. You just shared that with me today, which is uh, and I did some research on you in the background and, and all that good stuff. And so um, congratulations on all your amazing success, especially coming from India. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Super excited to share my successes, my failures, my lessons learned so that people listening to your podcast today extract some nuggets and they get more success for themselves. Absolutely. That's what this is all about. So I appreciate it. So, so first, when you told me that you came over here from India 20 years ago, right? First of all, did you learn the language, the English language in India? How did that, how did that work? So India is actually the largest English speaking nation in the world. So what's great about India is it's a big country, very diverse country, but anyone, everyone who goes to school learns the English language. In fact, all subjects, history, geography, science are taught in English. Our national language is Hindi, H-I-N-D-I, so we learn Hindi, but based on what region I come from, we learn the local language as well. So everyone in India is bilingual. So when I, when I was studying, going to college, undergrad in India, I studied English. And when I moved to US, my transition from India to US was relatively easier, but I did have a thicker Indian accent back then. Right. Two decades over, we have refined to speak more American style. Right. Yes. I, I did not have to learn the language when I came to U.S. Right, right, right. You sound great. You look great. So so tell me about your aspirations. When you were younger, did you have this moment where you said, I want to get to the U.S. and I want to live the American dream? Was there a moment or something that happened when you were younger that was like a switch that went off? So it wasn't like the fairy tale story. I never had a dream of vision coming to America or coming to US to study or work, but I was always passionate about being successful. And I'm also a risk taker, but I take calculated risk, Philip. So when I was doing my undergrad in India, I applied to several MBA or grad schools in India. And I got admission one of the top MBA schools in India. And I said, you know what? Let me evaluate the opportunity of going to US. The blessing for me was my parents are financially successful. They said, Kunal, if you want to go to U.S. and study over there, we'll support you. So I applied for my GMAT exam, took all those tests, got my scores, applied to a few universities, got admission in one hand. Now, while I was doing that, the MBA school in India, I went to them and deferred my admission by a year so that if I don't get admission in U.S., I have a fallback option. Right. So people who aspire to come to U.S., getting admission, getting admitted to a university is the easy part. The biggest hurdle is getting your visa 
to come to us to study so i still remember philip it was four o'clock in the morning standing in line outside the u.s consulate wow. when my turn came to go inside the consulate and get interviewed the lady at the behind the counter she had a decision to make in five minutes or less is this person good enough to go to us to get his degree over there and i went to the counter thinking you know what if it's in my fate i'll go so till the time i did not get my visa in my hand it was just a dream but once i got my visa in my hand philip from that day on it took me about two three months travel plans to come to us but i was vision focused i said i'm coming to america when i'm going to come to america to make a living not for me but for my next few generations and i was just 20 year old i was still a relatively young person a kid my parents gave me you know tuition money for the first year but when i landed in america i said you know what i'm going to do whatever it takes to find one two or three jobs on campus work multiple jobs but i'm not going to touch the money given by my parents because i want to build my life build my career based on my own merit not because i got daddy's money or mommy's money right 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 i worked multiple jobs and guess what when i graduated philip Every penny my parents had given me, I returned all the money back to my parents to have the pride, to have the self-confidence that if I'm going to make a living or name for myself in this country, America, it's going to be based on my own hard work and work ethic. Well, it's incredible to have that whole entire, you know, ambition and drive and then give the money back to your parents. Good for you. That is really incredible. Really incredible. So when you just said that you had this vision to build wealth for multiple generations. It wasn't to build wealth for yourself and for your family, but you thought even longer than that. How did you, how'd you obtain that mindset? What made you think that way? So I'll walk you through the thought process and journey. So when you come to US, you, I went to college to go do a master's in a program. Now, when you come to US on a student visa, you have to have an employer sponsor your work visa. If you don't get no sponsorship, you get shipped back to your home country and you have 12 months to find someone to sponsor your visa. So while I was in grad school, I was competing for job opportunities between all my peers, but my American uh, co-friends co or classmates, they were blessed to have the US citizenship. They didn't have to fight for sponsorship from employers. So I had to work even harder, get better grades. I took extra credit hours. I took certain certification exams. So I went for a program called internal auditing. I'm sure you heard about what CPAs are. There's something called as CIS, Certified Internal Auditors. So when I was interviewing for full-time positions in the fall of that year, I was the only student in grad class and undergrad class that had the good score, but I had Certified Internal Auditor, Certified Information System Auditor. So what I'm gonna to demonstrate to you is this, I had to work even harder to get ahead of my peers so that employers say, you know what, we are willing to spend the extra money to employ Kunal and sponsors work visa. At that time, it was not about generation wealth. It was all about finding employment. So I, I take baby steps. I have a long-term vision, and that long-term vision is no good if I can't get employment first. So when I got employed with a top consulting company, Deloitte, well, I cracked the code. Now I'm employed in corporate America. Now I had to pay my dues for years till I got sponsorship, got my green card, because if I switch jobs on a work permit, it's very, very hard to get sponsorship over and over again. So I had to spend my time in corporate America for years but I was always passionate about being in control of my time today so I can control my paycheck tomorrow. And between you and me, people who are in corporate America, they play it safe, nine to five job. 100%. Benefits. And they don't quit the job because they want a safety net. For me, if you want to be successful, 
You are the control of your future. And I said, even if I quit corporate America tomorrow, become self-employed, and if I'm a failure, I can always go back based on my education degree, based on my background, based on my experience. So taking risk as an immigrant or taking risk as somebody who came whole out of nothing is inherent in me and a lot of people. But then when you're born, raised in America, Philip, when it's handed on to you, right. citizenship or job opportunity, you know, you sit around and, you know, you say, it's okay if I don't have a job, I can rely on unemployment benefits, not for me, not for people who come with a whole lot of nothing. I've always said, and, much like, and it's exactly everything that you're telling me, right? So if you do, if you do things that average people just don't want to do, if you work harder than everybody around you, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but if you work harder than everybody in the room, right? For some reason, life just takes you to another level. And for you, it was a lot of that, right? It seems like you really pushed yourself and pushed yourself. And, and you know, here's where we are today, which is really incredible. So you talked about corporate America, just so you know. So I came from, I was at Merrill Lynch for five years, and then I went to Smith Barney for seven and UBS for like nine or 10. So altogether, I'm 20 years in corporate America. And everything that you just said is, is completely true, right? In terms of people in that world, right? And, and what goes on in that world with conflicts of interest, et cetera. And I've always said to myself, you know, going off on my own and starting my own independent practice, it's, it's just like when, you got, when I got away from corporate America, it was, it was like, oh, my goodness, like something out of my body, just like it, the, the energy, it changed my soul forever, literally. So for you, right, incredible journey, came from India, right, pushed hard, was in corporate America, and then you had this mindset, exactly what you just said, right, take this leap of faith, you knew worst case scenario, what that looked like, but you're like, you know what, let me take this leap of faith, 2014, you take that leap, walk me through the day you walked out the door, whatever happened, when you were moving towards your vision. Happy to share with you, Philip. So in 2013 and 2012, I was working with a company called TransOcean. It's an offshore drilling company. Yes, of course. I, yeah. I would go to these rigs and do operational safety audit. I traveled all over the world. Wow. So I had a rotational job, Philip. I would work one month and get one month off. Wow. Okay? And I'm, I can't sit around. So for that, when I was sitting around, I said, let me do something. So I got my real estate license 2013. And when I would be not on the rigs, when I was in Houston on my time off, I started doing real estate part-time. Wow. Did part-time from March of 2013 to November 2013, like six, seven months, okay? But there were a few triggers that I had that year. First one, you know, being an immigrant, coming to America, I had a vision mission that I got to get a, a six-figure job, right? The base salary. So in 2013, March, my base salary was $93,000 and change. I told my hiring manager, Philip, that, you know what, this year, based on market, based on industry, it's reasonable for me to request or expect a pay raise, which will get me to $100,000 salary, okay? So that was my, my sharing of my vision mission with my manager. Now, September, March to September, I did some deals. I earned about $60,000 give or take as a part-time realtor. September 2013, I got my pay raise from HR. My base salary went from X to $99,987. dollars 13 dollars short of hundred thousand dollars for a company like transocean it means nothing it means literally nothing but that's what they did and that's what they did and that was a straw i was four months away from five-year anniversary with transocean which would get me lifetime benefits pension whatever it may be but i was so done i came back home told my wife honey 
I made the decision to leave corporate America and become a realtor. And you know, I've earned $60,000 as a part-time realtor. I foresee myself getting success, six figures or more in 2014. She said, right. I believe in you. If that's what you want to do, do it. So it was not a long run of process. I was in the process of getting another job, doing real estate, but that straw of $13 has made me $13 million in the last five, seven years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lucky number 13. That's our number. Yeah. That so that failure true. was was a blessing for me because had I got that, had I got the promotion, had I got the pay raise, I said, you know what? It's okay. I'll make the transition when I'm ready, but we can never be ready. You wow. can never be 100% ready. If you want to quit your job, change your status, you got to take the jump, take the leap of faith. If you believe in yourself, and you're committed to your own future and success, you do whatever it takes. And that's where I'm blessed that failure happened to me of $13. Otherwise, I may have spent another six months or a year at the same company and my growth what I have, may not have been as aggressive what I'm setting at today. That is awesome. Really, really cool. You know, it's funny. I, I remember when I first got hired at Merrill Lynch right out of college, right? So I get into my manager's office and it's like a big stud guy. He was, uh, he was a quarterback at a major college. Uh, I forgot which one it was. Anyhow, so he, he, so we went through the whole process and I could tell he wanted to hire me, right? He goes, Phil, I'm ready to hire you. I said, great. I said, he goes, this is what I'm going to pay you, $26,000. I said, oh my gosh, $26,000. I said, how about $29,000? He goes, all right, you got it. You got the job. I'm like, $29,000. So I made $29,000 in my first year in, the, in, the, uh, in this wealth management space. And obviously since then, it's just been through the moon. But, uh, but I know how you feel when it comes to like corporate America paying you a certain amount of money, et cetera. But you mentioned you, your wife's support, right? So as you're looking to make this jump, other people that are listening in, that are thinking about doing the same thing, how important is family support in you making this decision to go off on your own? It's 1,000% important. Now, again, if I was a single person, different story. But when you have a family, wife, or kids, same here, yeah. a different level of commitment. Now, when I talked to my dad and mom, they said, like, Kunal, are you sure? I mean, you know, you went to grad school. You have all this certification. You really want to become a realtor because here's the ugly truth for them. Back at home in Southeast Asia, India, realtors are not considered professionals. That professionals looked down upon instead of looked up upon. So if you're a realtor back in India, you consider almost like a scumbag. You're not someone who is respected. So from right. that cultural mindset, I said, you sure you want to be a realtor? I said, you know what? I'm, that's what I'm going to do. But had my wife said, listen, honey, maybe wait for another few months. And by that time, we were actually expecting a first baby. So we had personal changes happening in our life. My wife was at home, unemployed, because she was nursing a baby. But I was so clear that I wanted it. But had my wife said, you know, honey, I think you should wait for some time. Let's have the baby. I would have taken a back seat because I'm not going to jeopardize my wife's mission vision of having safety security net. So having your family support is critical. At the same time, that is secondary. First, you got to be clear what you want to do, why you want to do, what's your vision, what's your mission. Is. Don't switch jobs. Don't quit your job for the extra dollar. Money comes and goes, but if you're passionate about what you're doing and you care about it, money comes automatically. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I always say that. I, I always tell the story of one of my clients, great guy, so $25 million business. At the time, he was maybe like 65 years old. And I sat down with him. I was new in this business, right? And just getting to know each other. And I said to him, I said, I said, Mr. Dakita, I said, you know, how did you become so successful? And he said to me, he goes, Phil, he imported Asian products, right? And he goes, and he said, he goes, I just have such a passion for what I do. He goes, 
So I just did that. And then money just followed me. That is so important for people to understand. If you're going to do something because it's because of the almighty dollar and that's going to be your own motivation, forget about it. It's over. It's done with. In fact, you know, it's really funny. My, I just had lunch just now with my, uh, one of my, my advisors who works for me. And he said to me, he goes, Phil, he goes, why is it that you want to get to a billion dollars over the next two, three years? Is it because of the economics and the money behind it? And I said to him, I said, absolutely not. It's like, I'm in this game. I'm going to play. And if I'm going to play, I'm going to get to the top and we're going to be the best, you know? So it, it and the money is, is, is totally secondary. If I don't make another dime from here on in, I'll bring a new client and I'm totally fine. Like it's cool. But you know, but as you're in the game and I'm in the game, like you want to play. Right. I never forget. One other thing I'll just tell you too, is this other guy. So I've got advised when I was at UBS, this guy produced $18 million a year. Right. I, I heard about this guy. I'm like, I got to go meet this guy. So I called him, I emailed him first, you know, Andy Burris, his name is. And I said, Andy, love to, uh, you know, talk to you over the phone. He gets on the phone, right? This is unbelievable. So he gets on the phone. He's like, I'm like, Andy, I'm like, uh, thank you so much for your time. And I started to tell him about me. He stopped me in my tracks. He goes, Phil, let me ask you a question. How much money do you spend on your business, right? In terms of marketing. I said, X amount of dollars. He goes, listen, until you're willing, willing to spend three to $500,000 a year on marketing, he goes, he goes, until you want it, then he goes, then come see me. Other than that, don't waste my time. He literally stopped me in my tracks. Literally the next day I was out in Wisconsin, flew, flew out to go see him. And as I'm sitting down with Andy, we met at a restaurant, Ruth Chris first, and we're by the bar hanging out, having a drink. And I said, Andy, I said, uh, I said, you're doing, you know, $20 million in production. It's like ridiculous. I'm like, and he's 59 years old, 60 years old. I go, why do you keep pushing? He's pushing this guy. He goes, Phil, he goes, if I'm in the game, I'm going to play. He goes, that's the bottom line. He goes, and if I'm, because if you're not growing, you're totally dying, which you can totally relate to. So, uh, you know, all these great things that you just said, you know, and that's the thing, that's the next thing I want to talk about for people to listen to, right? So I kind of feel like, could, now, could, could, could everybody do, you know, what we do in terms of taking that leap? Is it in everybody, in your opinion, right? Or is it not? And why is that? The quick answer is, it is not in everyone to take their leap of faith. It is not, okay? And I truly believe in how you're wired and how you function on a daily basis. There's a profile review called DISC profile and D-I-S-C. D stands for driver, yeah. I, interactive, S, stabilizer, C, cautious. Somebody who's high S and high C, super cautious person, is going to take them tenfold energy and effort to quit their job and do something, Okay. Someone who's high D, driver, who's, who's a risker for us, it's much, much easier. So what I'm trying to pinpoint to you is anyone can quit that job and they can start their own business. But if they don't have the self-drive, the success is going to be limited. So it all comes down to, do you want to have control on your time or the money? So a lot of people, the way they're wired, they are probably a better fit in a 95 job because they want steady income. They don't want to take the risk. While they can quit if they want to quit, but it's about where are you going to find the most amount of success? The risk takers fail and fall. Elon Musk, he has bet everything that he's at multiple times, multiple times because he's driven, self-driven, self-motivated person. You know, there's a philosophy where I like people who come with batteries included. I don't have to wind them down every day. So if you're a self-driven person, absolutely yes. No question of mind. You should quit your job. Now, if you want the complacency, you want to play it set, then don't complain that you're not making the right amount of money, 
you got to wait for your employer to tell you how many PTO days or vacation days you have in a year. I'm saving that for end of the year or next year. Then don't complain. You lose the right to complain. We all have an inherent risk-taking factor and we all have the ability of quitting the job. But I truly believe some people are wired to be entrepreneurs. Some people are not. And figure out which side, you, which you are, which side you're on. And maybe being an entrepreneur is not for you. When you think about people that are that nine to five type person who don't want to take the risk that we deal with, right? Take that person and take entrepreneurs like you that, as you know, it's really nonstop. You're constantly going, right? You're constantly going. And yes, you have, you know, thank God, goodness, great success. Monetarily, you can pretty much do anything you want. All those free, you get the freedom to do whatever you want to because you're, you're the boss, et cetera. You ever think to yourself like, gosh, you know, it's great being this entrepreneur business but there's a lot going on here. This nine to five person who made that decision, who goes home without the headaches, more or less, not exactly, but you understand what I mean. Do you ever think like, gosh, maybe that route is a better route to go? Not a, and you know, sometimes it's nice to not, you know, be that person, nine to five person, or you're like, I wouldn't trade this for anything. For me, if answer is hell no. <laughs> At the same time, I'm with the, you. The, all the same, the tuition fee I paid to work for Deloitte, to work for Transocean, has made who I am today. Had I become a realtor straight out of college, I would not have been successful. But the discipline I learned in corporate America, the fact that I know what deliverables mean, what, what it means to show for the meeting prepared, that I would not have learned. That's why most realtors in Texas market make average thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, right? few years back, I made, I paid over six figures in just my taxable income. So the reason I'm successful is because I'm driven, self-motivated. So for me, today, nine to five job is not an option. I will never do it. But I had to pay my tuition fee because of visas. I had to work in corporate America. I had to go through the grind. But what I learned from that has made who I am today. So I would tell anyone listening to this podcast today, no matter how young or old you are, you have to pay the tuition fee working for somebody have the discipline of following orders, following the protocol, following policy. Because once you do that, and once you start your own company, you'll know the importance of having expectations, deliverables, policy and procedure. Because if you've never done that, you won't care about being disciplined. Even when I was a brand new agent, the first thing I did was took physical office at my brokerage. I would go to the office every day, dress up to work. Most realtors, they sit at home. They get a phone call, they jump in the car and become tour guides. So that discipline I have for my success today is truly where the foundation was laid out in corporate America. That's awesome. That's really great. You know, Robin Sharma, the monk who, you ever read that book, The Monk Who Stole My Ferrari? I've not read the book, but I know who he is. Yeah, he's great. Really great. Just curious if you know, it's a phenomenal book too. Really yes. life, life-changing book, actually. Um, so let's get into real estate. So you're a real estate professional, right? So- I've always wondered. So there are many, many of you out there, like there's many of me out there, right? And obviously you're just exponential in terms of growth over the past 10, 15, you know, since you started in 2014 to where you are today. What makes you different? So first thing is I have an abundance mindset strategy where there's plenty to go down for everyone. I know for a fact, no matter how hard I work, no matter how successful I am, if I don't duplicate me or my processes, my growth is going to be limited. So I believe in recruiting, training, coaching, mentoring agents or brand new agents and make them successful so that when they are successful, I'll be successful. 
Most realtors make the mistake they do all from start to end, finding a buyer, prospecting, marketing, showing homes, because they think they do it perfectly. They do it the best. They don't believe in delegating or hiring someone to do that job for them. Other big mistake is most realtors do not know their hourly worth. What's my hourly worth on a day-to-day -day basis? So early on, I had to know what my worth per the hour was. And very quickly, I hired the first admin to do tasks that were not financially you know, viable for me, which was not money-making activities. That's another mistake. Coming from corporate America as an auditor, I got to know all the details on a daily basis. I got to know my numbers, track my numbers. So I have these Excel tools, pivot tables. I track my numbers to the T. I know exactly how many contracts I or my team wrote three days back, three months back, three years back, six years back, and what our projections are. So if I'm running my real estate company as a business, having policies, procedures, guidelines, and strategies, I'm running as a business. Most people fail because they go after their network of their friends, family members. Oh, it's easy to sell real estate. They go on HGTV, watch all these shows, unlock a door, and here comes billion dollars. It does not happen like that. It happens very rarely. So the discipline, all those things make me successful. But it's all about sharing knowledge base, sharing expertise, making better people around you. And you know what? When the time is right, they come back and partner with you. And it becomes a partnership that makes them and makes me successful. So as the leader of your team, how do you motivate people? How do you keep them in their chairs? What does that look like? So one aspect is the financial incentives, the commission splits. That's what we offer at Real Estate Brokerages. That when we prospect a client, here's what you get, here's what I get on transaction. Most realtors, when they build their team, they have a simple formula for them. I'm giving you easy numbers. If I give you a lead, it's 50-50 commission split. If you bring your own lead, let's just example, it's 75-25. Okay? Right. Team lead between team member. I learned very on, early on, it's not about lead generation, it's about lead conversion where I add value. So what I tell my team members, go prospect in the market, do open houses, networking events. When you meet someone, your objective is not to convince them to work with you. Your objective is not to sell them a home. Your objective is to bring them to me. When they come to me, they come into my physical office or a Zoom meeting, I demonstrate value of the organization. I demonstrate value of the success we've had. And I demonstrate success so that they agree to working with the company organization. I make a roadmap for my agent on the team to show them homes and help them make the right financial decisions. So I'm an expert in lead conversion strategy. That, my friend, is the highest possible value because lead generation, I can go to Zillow.com, right. buy the impressions, or do Facebook ads. Lead generation is easy, but it's lead conversion. So the best value I provide to my team members is when they sit in meetings, and they hear me talk, engage with the client, figure out the roadmap as a financial advisor, they learn those scripts and dialogues. And they say, you know what? After a year, six months, that dialogue becomes their dialogue. And then they become their own machine where they speak like financial advisors instead of realtors. Because realtors, most of them are tour guides. They talk about bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, tax rate. I mean, you can go on Zillow. You can go on the local MLS and look that up. It's a cheat sheet. You are a value-added partner when you, ask, when you are giving valued information to the client. And that's when you say, you know what? He or she is incredible. He or she answered questions or anticipated objections that I was going to have and answered all that for me. Now, selling a home or showing a home is the easy part. Right. So, so it's about demonstrating value, knowledge-based expertise, and helping them get experts in converting leads instead of lead generation. 
in your business, there's not a recurring fee revenue type model, right? So as a realtor, when you start January 2nd, that's when normally business starts of the following year, you start from zero. Do, do you do anything within your, your, your business that acts as a recurring fee revenue type model or it's sure. all new sales? Honestly, so the company I'm with, I'm part of EXP Real Estate Company, okay? So as Seth Brothers Real Estate Team or Company, you know, we do transactions, we earn commission and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. But the brokerage we are part of, EXP, it's the international brand. It's relatively new. When I say relatively new, 10 to 15 years old. It's the Netflix of real estate. It's the Amazon of real estate. It's virtual. In 2018, when I left Remax, went to EXP, we had about 13,000 agents. Today, we have 76,000 agents. Wow. We are in 26 countries. So EXP has different lanes to get financial success. So one is earning commission, but second one, it's listed on NASDAQ. Our ticker is EXPI. We get stock of EXP at different milestones. Third one, we have a revenue share model, which means if I'm a realtor with EXP, I recruit someone into EXP. Every time they do a transaction, I get a piece of the commission. That's great. So I'm getting revenue share coming in. So since I left Remax in 2018, I have 195 people I brought into EXP. Most of them are in Texas, but are people in California. I have two in Mexico, one in India, South Africa. And I coach, mentor them to be more effective in sales. Here's a roadblock. Most realtors are not successful. In 2018 with Remax, my team did 68 million. 2019, we closed 86 million. Wow. 2020, 121 million. Last year, my team closed 151 million sales volume. We closed over 300 units. So we are a top producing team. Now our production success has got nothing to do with the brand behind me. It could have been Keller William. It could have been Remax. It could be EX. It does not matter. It's what I bring to the market, my so, value sorry. proposition. And this is where the myth is. My success is not because of brokerage. My success is because of who I am. At the same time, you and I need to have an exit strategy. There's going to come a time, health or personal reason. We may not be able to show homes or work as a realtor. And ugly truth, Philip, you will never attend a retirement party for a realtor. We never retire. If we work till we die, because the day we stop selling homes, we stop earning money. So EXP as a company has allowed me to create passive income opportunity as another lane. This is where, when you ask the question, Seth Brothers team, we don't have a revenue model, but the EXP brokerage has a model that allows my team members, my organization leaders to have income stream besides selling homes and earning commission. Wow, that's terrific. That's important. As far as, uh, as, far as balancing your life, right, with all these things you have going on, these people that you, or everybody that you're managing, et cetera, how do you balance your life? I personally... Yes. So I have young kids. I have two boys, six and seven year old. Oh. So if you ask me the same question, 2014, when I was a brand new agent, I worked 27, 24, right. 7, 365. There was no weekend where I did not work. Now I have a team. I have an organization. I have listing department, marketing, I have realtors. So every weekend, my team does open houses in the market. And I go in as time permits, go see them, coach them, mentor them during the open houses. So weekends are block for family time, block for friends. Evenings when I get to work, I normally get home 6.30, 7 o'clock. Once I'm home, I'm shut down from work and I spend time with family and kids. So my work-life balance is when I'm at work, 9 to 5 or 9 to 6, it's work, it's business. And I'm here producing. Weekends, select clients I work with, show them homes. But essentially, most weekends are in my control. I'm free. 
and I spend time with family and kids. I'm a young boys, you know, soccer, all those things. Yeah. But I'm huge with them. That's great. That's really great. That's important. That's it's always hard to do that. But, you know, you always have to kind of be present because if you're not present in a situation, you know, it's not good. And the wife notices right away. So, right. you know, that's important. So, so Seth, this has been, uh, Canal, this has been amazing. I really appreciate your time today. You know, congratulations again on your success. I mean, you're such a motivating guy. I mean, I could see why you're successful just talking to you today. You know, so uh, I wish you all the best and, and thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you again, Philip, for giving me the opportunity to share my story. And we're here to make other people successful That's it. with us. That's the goal. That's the goal. And hopefully people listening in, they get some great tips from you to be able to do that. But I just want to just close out on one quick thing. A couple of key things that I heard from you that really was impactful. Number one, control your future. Number two, take that leap of faith. And number three, know your hourly pay. Know your hourly worth. I've done that before too. And let me tell you, that's so effective because when you think about sometimes when people pull you in a different direction, even if it's 15 minutes, that 15 minutes costs something. So that's why every part of your day really has to be organized, compartmentalized as best as you possibly can. So totally true. But, but uh, Canal, thank you again very much. And I uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you, Philip. All right.